welcome to this time that you're giving yourself to turn your attention to yourself, even as we share something. And notice that when you're with other people, even in this form of Zoom, it can be easier to see yourself in a way, to have an experience of yourself. Put your um, camera on gallery if you're not already. Most people are already on gallery setting. And just let your attention come to rest on your experience in your body, even as you listen. And notice that there are other people here. And notice without thinking that you're going to be quizzed on it, how that impacts your experience of yourself. Noticing that you're in a group. And allowing yourself to notice that we've been together for a while. Now, we really have. And that the group of us are a sangha. That we share a practice and an intention. And that's interesting. Interesting to notice as we take a comfortable seat. I'm going to mute people again because sometimes people come unmuted and then and then we hear all kinds of stuff. You know. So I was so welcome everybody. I'm happy to see you again. And I'm glad you're here again. Yet again. And for those of us who have just come in, we were talking about daylight savings time coming and noticing the light is coming. And our friend in New York announced it's going to be 57 degrees tomorrow, Fahrenheit. In case you happen to be in the UK, we're not talking, we're talking Fahrenheit. And how that our hearts take this as of a hopeful sign. And there's something in us that, that lives from hope to hope to hope. And it's quite natural to, to turn to a practice like this in the hope that it will make us more happy, right? And it's, it's really interesting when we begin to discover that it's not exactly that that we find. And just to back up a little bit, we've been through a lot together, our Zoom Sangha. And it's natural for us now to begin to wish that health comes back to the land, that the light returns, that spring appears, that people will be healthy again. Vaccines are appearing. Some of us have been vaccinated or will be. 
but notice how your heart is going out towards that. Might there be something else that we practice for? So I thought it would be nice since we've been through a long week. I'm going to tell you a little story again. And this is my version of an ancient Irish tale. And it puts a little bit of a Buddhist spin on it. But this is a story of an ancient high king of Ireland named Bran. Bran. And one night, Bran had a dream in which he beheld a beautiful woman in a tree in beautiful moonlight. And this woman seemed to promise him, did promise him, that there was a place he could find where there would always be health and vitality and youth. Some other place, not stormy, difficult Ireland, where his life was so shot through, maybe you can relate to this, with uncertainty and difficulty and unexpected pain would come up or sickness would appear, or this creeping sense that you're getting older. And this filled him with grief because he was a man that felt very deeply. And he didn't want life to disappear. He didn't want to get old. He didn't want to get sick. He didn't want to live in a world where things were so sad and uncertain. So the next morning, he gathered a crew and filled them with a sense that this other place could be found. And they were full of longing for that, too. Wouldn't you love to be able to escape the sorrow of change and loss and sickness and pain? So off they set, they set sail, of course. And they sailed, and they sailed, and they sailed. And finally, they came to an island where they could hear the sound of laughter from way out to sea. And one crew member was so intent on going towards that happiness that he dove overboard and went to this island. And the minute he was on, and Bran, being a bit more experienced and wiser, felt a little bit of caution about this. And lo and behold, the crew member went to this island where everybody was in gales of laughter all the time. And the crew member instantly forgot the crew, the ship, the voyage. It was just too much. Now, this Irish tale you can begin to tell is a little bit like the Odyssey in reverse. So here was an island that was definitely a pitfall, a little bit like the Lotus Eaters. Just too much happiness, 
And so the other people on the crew and Brandy agreed that they were looking for something a little bit more balanced and harmonious. Yeah, that, that's the ticket. That's what we're looking for. Balance, harmony. So they sailed on and on and on and on. And they finally came to another island. And here, Brian felt a little bit of caution. But a ball of yarn was thrown. This is an Irish tale, so yarn, I think, figures big in the culture, was flung onto the ship and wrapped around Brian and pulled in. Pull them in, pull them in. And there was the beautiful woman. And this island was full of beautiful people. Let's not just limit it to one gender. But this island was full of whatever your ideal mate would be, your ideal love object. There they were. And it was also just a beautiful, temperate place and everything about it was ideal and everybody on the ship dwelled in the state of ease and and well-being and perfect vitality until one day one crew member began to feel homesick this kind of pining for, for the terrible weather of home and the difficult people they loved and knew in all their changeable moods. And he pined. And finally, it, it infected Bran and everybody on the crew. Yes, we miss our kin, our friends, our life. So home they sailed. And they felt this this poignancy of leaving something sublime. But they longed for a home and they sailed and they sailed and as they sailed, the weather got worse and it, it was changeable and you never knew what was gonna happen. And then finally they recognized the familiar cliffs of Ireland. And in they sail and one person and the crew was so overcome with longing for home that he jumped overboard and instantly turned to dust and blew away. And instantly, Bran knew what the people on the shore knew. He shouted out, King Bran, and they said, we knew of such a king long ago. They had been gone for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So being a proper Irish king, he sang his song. He told his tale and then mournfully turned and sailed away back to the land they came from. So this might seem poignant. It wouldn't be an Irish story if it wasn't. But it also reveals 
because all good stories have a deeper meaning. That what we're seeking here and what we've been through together in our practice and this year isn't a state of perfect health, everything guaranteed, everything just beautiful and temperate and safe. No, what we're here to touch and experience together is a loving awareness that can meet whatever comes. Something in you, something in you, something in me, something that we touch in times of duress, like the times that we have shared this past year. It's almost a full year now. And we've discovered at moments that there is a light of attention inside us that accompanies us, that's with us, no matter what comes. In the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of fear, in the midst of loneliness, in the midst of feeling like I'm freaking losing my mind and I can't take it anymore. There will be a moment of softening and opening and you will feel accompanied by something inside you that you didn't know was there. So let's sit together. We take our seat, comfortable seat, and see how it feels to grant yourself time and space to be really comfortable. Upright, relaxed. Taking what the Buddha called a noble scene. Allowing the true worth of your life to appear not in words, but in your gentle intention. To turn your attention to this life And notice that this 
action of turning the attention to the body and the experience of being present relaxes you, softens you. Allowing sensation to appear just as it is today. Notice that when you go towards thinking that this is perfectly natural and gently come back again to sensation. To the sensation of being present just like this. Notice how it feels to rest in presence. Noticing that whatever appears is completely acceptable to an attention that sees 
Notice that when you come home to stillness, as you settle, you also open to a larger world. Remembering that you're part of a larger life. how it feels to allow yourself to be exactly like this. To be away and then come back. Everything allowed
noticing how it feels to come home to a presence that sees without judging, with kindness and curiosity. When you get lost in thinking, notice this with no judgment and gently come home to presence, to sensation, to stillness.
noticing the vibrancy in the stillness. It's not absence of fullness. Noticing that when we come home to sensation, we open.
Notice how it feels to be still, to come to stillness. Notice how it feels to be seen by an attention that feels as if it's inside and also outside, shared. An attention that sees with acceptance.
Thank you for your practice, for your attention. And if you have questions or comments or observations about this practice, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just considering the essence of this this story, and uh, in terms of my own life, um, and just to because, and I'd like to I'd like to hear a little bit more about it because there's always this idea that there's something better out there, there's that will make me happier, better company better family, all of those things. And it's funny because when I look, when I hear the story, I look back on my life and I, and I, I spent a considerable time, part of my youth, moving from city to city, thinking, making it what I felt to be a mess of whatever city I lived in and, and starting off a new life somewhere else. And then creating those same situations rather than just accepting what's there, what's actually there, and accepting my present situation. Because I think, I, I think that seems to be, perhaps the story is that's the human dilemma, that we always feel like there's something better there. There's wishing and hoping rather than just accepting things as they are and being content in that um, and not having those expectations. I think it's the glue that gets us caught and, and creates so much unhappiness and confusion. Certainly I've experienced that myself. Um, is that, and is that essentially what this is, what the story is about? Um, or is it one of these things that should remain a mystery and just, we just interpret in, in, our, in our own ways? Yeah. Well, I think any story worth its all has got to be, what it feels like to you. But um, one thing that's interesting about um, what you say and also about the story is that that's very Buddhist. That's the heart of this path is that dukkha means dissatisfaction. The word for, for suffering is, is often translated as dissatisfaction, this haunted feeling. And we can have this feeling of, I'm sure we've all felt, I've certainly felt, you can feel so disappointed in your life and moments or so unhappy. This is so not what I wanted it to be. Or life itself can feel like it's betrayed you whether it's on the scale of pandemic or 
all of a sudden you find yourself aging. What is happening? I used to be able to get down on the floor and not have it be 50-50 that I could get back up again. You know, that, that these things are happening. And I do not approve. I do not agree. And um, in this pursuit, I mean, our whole culture is driven by a pursuit to stop aging or to you know, stop whatever. And we see where that's come to. But the promise, even within the story, is that there's something in us that longs for something even more than we long for happiness and eternal youth and the perfect partner and perfect conditions. There's something in us that longs for something deeper than that, that longs for home. And what if that home wasn't a fixed place or time or set of conditions, but something in us that we could return to? A presence, an attention. And when I sent out my little reminder, I've been struck so much lately that a lot of times meditating is seeing what we're not. We see that we're in pieces. There's thinking. There's feeling. There's sharp edges of all kinds. There's sensations. But we also inevitably see if only for a moment or two that there's another attention that's present. And that's what makes us whole. That's what home is. That's what we can maybe place our heart upon, our trust in. Not in things that are subject to change. Not just outside, but inside our own emotions, our own thinking, our own bodies. All subject to change. But it may be that there's something that isn't so fickle. Something that we practice together. And the paradox is that it's inherently, it's this attention, then our present is, is formless. It's not fixed. It's fluid, not fixed. Like the conundrum is, we're, look, we're, we're searching or we're looking for that which is looking, right? Yeah. 
Tracy? Yeah. Um, yes. Hi. I, um, I'm disturbed by the story. <laughs> um, and I can't get this image out of my head of him jumping off to go back home and just becoming dust. And I'm trying to um, identify how that relates to our, to our practice and to our lives. I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, because, um, and again, if it, for all of us, and also for you, Donna, if something doesn't land right, you can just let it go. Let it be dust. But to me, it just showed that everything, and this is a deeper truth in Buddhism, everything in us is subject to change and ultimately to become dust. Our feelings, our thoughts, our bodies, our careers, our relationships, everything is subject to change even the span of our lives, except that there are certain things. And in the story, what touched me so deeply is that even if you could have perfect health and vibrancy that would never fade, and the perfect lover and the perfect conditions, that something in us would still long for something deeper. There would be a homesick feeling, a nostalgia for a state of being. Um, and so that when they come home, it's revealed that, you know, they've been gone so long, their lives are over. And, and, except, and except they're on this enchanted ship, so he can, King Bran can see, oh, we followed this yearning this nostalgia for being. But our time is past here. So it is, indeed, it could be very land as if something very poignant or even wrenching. But on the other hand, um, on the other hand, the reason I practice is because I don't want my life to pass and not know how it feels to be here, to be really here, to be present, to be really alive, meeting life. So I don't know if it makes the story less disturbing, but for me, I was just, it is a real Irish story. And it was sent to us by this beautiful young Irish woman for um, for Prabla for the future. And most indigenous stories, and this is one, have a pulse in them that they point to something more deeply true. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, I just um, it brought up sadness for me that. Um, they, they finally realized that they wanted to return to, themsel you know, to themselves, I think, to that higher place inside themselves at home. They wanted to go home, and it was too late. 
they just yeah and that's what i it made me sad yeah it's it's bittersweet and it's maybe i should have said that up front like that but in these are the um this is the reality of our life too it, 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 it's okay i didn't mean to criticize your story i liked no, it no. this just made yeah. me very um emotional yeah and what's a you know in a way it's it's useful because it's like a lot of times if you ever had a day when you just feel like what did i do all day or even looking back at other periods of your life what was i pursuing what did i think i was doing a lot of this practice comes down to that touching in with that kind of, it's interesting in this path in Theravada, they consider disillusionment a very positive thing. And again, one of the things that's kind of beautiful that in the story or that it touches on without being explicit is that there's so many emotions or the Buddhists would call them mind states that we would rush to judge as negative like dissatisfaction like that kind of poignancy the sorrow of time passing and they're not actually negative they're in the light of this path it's like a, a calling something's calling to you like like come home and that thing that hurts you and makes you just really feel so this twist in your heart or something is actually something that's like a, a guide and a friend and that in a certain way our practice is taking the shame out of those feelings so that their natural wisdom can appear I'm sad because I'm so far away from myself or because I'm rejecting parts of myself or and this this practice takes time to hear its message But again and again, the, in all the Buddha's teachings, is the reminder that we're not here to escape suffering, to never suffer, or to never have bad weather, 
to, you know, what happens to people that move to LA and now no bad weather over in our season. Um, it's to see that suffering can be met in a new way. We can open to receive our experience with compassion and with interest so that things that might have previously made us feel really isolated or alone, even as I said before, we can be quite ashamed of our suffering, suddenly becomes something that that allows us to feel love for others, to, to as we learn to open and accept ourselves, we feel a love and acceptance of others in their suffering. We feel more at home in our lives. Yeah, I um, I appreciated this this meditation. Um, I got sleepy, but I appreciated it. And one of the things that I just wanted to say is that um, I am applying what you're saying. I hadn't known exactly what I was doing with it, but I was cleaning out the um, playroom. <laughs> She's in her 30s, and I was cleaning out the playroom. But at any rate, um, so um, I came across an intensive uh, Ira Prokof uh, journal writing course that I had taken in, at 22. <laughs> and I saw the same stuff. I saw what I was dealing with then. I deal with, that's just the, the, little, the little stream, you know? And I think that in some ways, coming to that with compassion from what you're talking about um, is a really, can really be a cool thing that there's nothing to judge or be ashamed of, but that I can know that there's something deep in my soul at the core that I've always been trying to get, you know, connected to, which is this thing about truth, you know? And I was saying some of the same stuff I say now at 70. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's very cool. And it's like feeling things at a deeper and deeper level. And um, yeah. It's not about, we have this idea that we're going to fix ourselves. And then we'll get down to the really big universal things, which is a little fix-up work, little reparative work first. And wouldn't that be astonishing, quietly astonishing, if you say to yourself, I may never get over this. I may always act like a two-year-old around this subject and have that be just the way it is. And yet, present yourself to this attention that can see with love and compassion. 
So it's not a, about, you know, self-perfection. We think it is for a long time. And it's true, we can use a little work. And we have to learn how to establish a sitting practice for five minutes and then 10. And there's, you know, there's stuff to do. But ultimately, this isn't about self-perfection. It's about being. Really being able to have this incredible love and compassion for, yeah, there was, there's been that particular suffering in that particular arena. Yeah. And that's just what is. And all the meditation for 30 some odd years and all the therapy, it's, there's still a piece of this that's there. And um, yeah. Yeah, and thank heavens, it's a perfect note to close on because that's the sand that makes the pearl. That's the, if you're in heaven, another aspect of the story, it's like in Buddhism, the heavenly realms, they can't awaken the, the deities and the, the demigods in the heavens. It's only in the realms where there's also suffering and pain. That's interesting because that's what makes us break open. It's like those seeds that break open in fire for the big trees. Um, yeah, so anyway, I'll stop myself. And for now, thank you so much for your practice. And we just um, take our seat for one moment. And um, dedicating our practice. Because we don't, we don't do this just for ourselves alone. We can't. It sends out ripples that touch the whole world. And we gratefully we gratefully accept this and dedicate ourselves to the happiness, welfare, and the awakening of all beings everywhere, including always ourselves. May we all feel at ease and welcome in our lives. May we all be touched and find refuge and find truth and be completely free. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your practice. Take care of yourselves.